Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Greetings and welcome to the final episode of the first season of What Happened to That Guy, a Ravens podcast about former players and life after football. I'm your host, John Eisenberg. I hope you've enjoyed listening to these stories as much as I've enjoyed telling them. And I hope you've learned, as I have, that a lot of former Ravens are doing interesting things, like Trevor Price, writing for Netflix, or Chris Carr, defending clients in federal immigration court. But I don't want to leave you with the impression that the entire world of former players and former Ravens is just, as they say, all sunshine and bunnies. Some guys do reach the end of their careers with a clear idea of what comes next, or they find a path that works. But other guys, lots of them, don't have it so simple and easy. Maybe they're out of football sooner than they expected. Maybe they aren't sure what to do next. Maybe they have issues that gum up the transition into real life. Tom Zibikowski checks all of those boxes. That's one reason why I'm ending this first season with an episode about him, Zibby, as he was known to all around the Under Armour Performance Center. He's got quite a tale to tell, and he isn't afraid to tell it. Another reason I'm giving him an episode is he's just one of the truly original characters in Raven's history. I am not exaggerating. More than a thousand players have worn the uniform, and quite a few, let's face it, have faded into the gray mists of history. But not Tom Zibikowski. A decade or so ago, he played safety in Baltimore for four years at the outset of the John Harbaugh era. And he wasn't a starter, but he was, let's see, how do I put this? He was one of those guys you just don't forget. Blazingly intense. A professional boxer. That's right, you heard me. A boxer. A guy who didn't just relish contact, but craved contact. You know that saying, play like a raven? If Zibikowski had been a better player, he could have been the poster child, the embodiment of the whole concept. He acknowledged that recently when we spoke by phone. If you look at what I am as a person, I should have been, you know, John Harbaugh's favorite player ever. He came to the Ravens from Notre Dame, where he was such a ferocious performer that he was a team co-captain and something of a cult hero. When the Ravens made him their third-round draft pick in 2008, there was every reason to believe he'd have a long career here. Third-round picks, those are building blocks. But Zibby was out of the NFL after five years. Gone. On to the next chapter of his life at age 27. That's seven years ago. And he's still searching for his next big thing. 
it's just been a journey of all journeys. And I think there's a lot of stories and things that have happened to me that I think will hopefully relate and help out with a lot of people that are struggling with whatever kind of struggles they have. I've had a much share of them. What has he done since his NFL career ended? Well, the big news. Five and a half years ago, he went through rehab and got himself sober. He had issues with alcohol and opioids, pain pills, and he addressed those issues. After that, he was a Chicago firefighter for two years. Yep, the former NFL player's job description consisted of climbing upstairs and carrying people out of burning buildings. When that ended, he thought about getting into coaching. He'd worked with some high school kids, liked it, and almost went back to Notre Dame to start learning that trade. But he didn't. Recently, he thought about going to law school, even took the LSAT test. But that's on hold, too. His priority right now is boxing, his true love among sports. He's done it on and off for years, and he's back in the ring, working out, hoping to launch a comeback. He told me that's his focus. But he also told me what he really wants to do, deep down, is act. I've been taking acting classes and doing prop classes and stuff like that. I would still love my fighting career to at least give me some shots and some films. That's kind of what I always saw. Believe me, I love boxing. It's not to become, a, you know what I mean, Robert De Niro. I'm just hoping that the character and what people see will, will give me a couple roles or something and some flicks. As you can tell, I live in so many different worlds and have so many different characters. I think I really am a unique individual in that aspect. I don't know too many people that have the same type of ease of, of moving in and out of groups and, and worlds. You know what I mean? I have a whole football world. I have a whole boxing world. I have a whole wrestling world where I coach, a firefighter world. It's like 20 lives. Yeah, it really is. And so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like. Energy-wise, I feel like an 18-year-old right now, but I mean, like, the shit that I've gone through, I feel like I'm 55. (laughs) For most guys in the NFL, playing in the league fulfills a lifelong dream. This is the sport they've loved. As kids, they acted out championship games in the backyard or on the playground, envisioning themselves breaking long touchdown runs, celebrating with teammates. But Tom Zibikowski didn't have those dreams. As a youngster, growing up outside Chicago, he was too busy wrestling and boxing. I started wrestling when I was six years old. I started wrestling before I started boxing. I had probably 200 wrestling matches and 100 boxing matches by the time I finished in my amateur career. Before I got to high school, I almost had 150 wrestling matches, 60 boxing matches. And I really never saw myself playing college football or anything like that. It was really unexpected there's not opportunities in boxing for full scholarships to Notre Dame or Michigan or to Stanford or to Iowa. There's not those opportunities in boxing. And when that presented itself in football, I had to take it. He was, for lack of a better description, an accidental football star. Oh, he played all along. And he was really good all along. Always the best player on the field in peewee and high school ball. Always the quarterback. Notre Dame recruited him for crying out loud. That's like joining the royal family if you're a young athletic guy in Chicago. But all along, Zibikowski saw himself as a boxer who happened to play football. Football took so much work for me in comparison to wrestling and boxing. Boxing, I can 
almost be out of shape, come in and still have the skills and kind of the tricks of the trade. I've been doing it for so long. I was sparring professionals by the time I was 12 years old and world champion professionals. But I mean, I could not do that in football. I didn't really come from like a high school where there was college talent, let alone NFL talent. So it wasn't like you really learned much of football during those years. So it really took my whole concentration and effort and time to become a good football player. It's no secret why he excelled in football in spite of his focus on other sports. He was small, around 5'10", but he was fast, strong, tough, explosive. Once he was in Baltimore, though, he ran into more experienced players, and he struggled to crack the Ravens' starting lineup ahead of savvy veterans like Jim Leonard, Dewan Landry, and, of course, Ed Reed. Looking back now, he has regrets about his time in football, both college and pro. He thinks he should have played cornerback, not safety. And he thinks he would have been a great wildcat quarterback. We talked about all that. I just think I was a young kid that couldn't really express his feelings yet. I couldn't speak. I didn't know how to not be so modest with my coaches. You know what I mean? I was always way too modest and it didn't really get me anywhere. I should have really expressed, you know, what I was as an athlete or what I could do on the football field. I just never could express it. What would you have expressed? In college, uh, I should have been on offense at some point. Probably should have had some type of package with me at quarterback. Mm-hmm. I, I can't be returning punts like this. Can't see the type of explosiveness I have with the ball. Yeah, I'm a boxer and all that stuff. So it can be tough, but that was that have to do with playing defense. It just seemed, And if I was playing defense, why didn't you put me at corner? No one's going to be in better condition than me. No one's going to have the hand-fighting ability that I have, but I could never speak that. By 2010, his third season with the Ravens, things were coming together. Reed was out with an injury to start the season. Zibikowski started the first six games and played well. There was talk of moving him to corner when Reed returned. But Zibby went out with an injury himself in week six, and his playing time dwindled when he returned. And that offseason, the Ravens signed another safety, Bernard Pollard. Zibikowski sank into a depression. He turned to alcohol and pain pills. I knew I had a problem after the third and fourth game in the 2011 season because I had started the first three games and then Bernard Pollard came in, took my spot, and after that it was pretty much uh, self-destruction. But I was conscious while I was doing it. I don't know if that explains it. I knew I wasn't ever going to be able to say, hey, I quit. It was just going to be, well, there's only one way of going out, so let's completely destroy your body till nobody wants you. Is this the opioids and drinking, both, everything? Yeah, pretty much. Anything that can numb, whatever it is. The painkillers I'd kind of gotten into in college towards the end, I was going to find that anyway. So, you know... I'm a bit of a wild wild person. When his Baltimore contract expired, he signed with the Indianapolis Colts in 2012. Chuck Pagano had taken over as the Colts head coach. Pagano, of course, had been the Ravens' defensive coordinator for most of Zibikowski's time in Baltimore. Chuck kept me together those last couple of years in Baltimore. If I didn't have him, I would have killed somebody. Not like physically killed somebody, but I mean, I would have been off on somebody if I didn't have Chuck there. So in my twisted state of mind, I thought I was doing him a favor by signing there, which I wasn't at all. He lasted just one year in Indy, then failed to survive training camp with his hometown Chicago Bears in 2013. And that was that. He was done with football. 
but he was not done with the drinking and the pills that had become part of his life. I know it sounds weird, but like injury, minor injury, not like broken legs, but I like that type of pain. I like dealing with that type of pain. I'm kind of a sicko like that. Once you start kind of padlock-dogging it with every time you have an injury, you get painkillers and all that stuff, you start salivating every time you get a chance to get an injury. And with the things that are going on in this world, and especially in our country, there isn't a socioeconomic or, or a racial group that hasn't been touched by that epidemic and the access to the pills or what it does or how it affects you. Once he was sober and straight, he could focus on what to do next. His grandfather had been a Chicago fireman. His grandfather's oldest son, Tom's uncle, was a Chicago fireman. Tom's brother was a fireman and a paramedic. His cousin was a fireman in Gary, Indiana. Firefighting was deeply embedded in the family DNA. Zibby decided it was time he tried. It was a great experience. It was something I really needed personally. I don't really have it in my blood to do it for 20 years, but I did want to experience something outside of the athletic realm and have something in common to be able to chit-chat with my brother, with my uncle, and really know what my grandfather went through. How long were you in that job? Not long enough to see everything, but long enough to know I can smell a dead body from two floors away. I had that type of experience. For two years, he ran into burning buildings, helped put out fires, and rescued victims. One rescue he'll never forget. He went into a building that was deceptive. From the front, it didn't even appear to be on fire. But a blaze was roaring in back. Zibby and his crew went in and up to the third floor and found a teenager lying face down. Turned out it was a young man Tom's brother knew. We went straight to the back of the house and 30 seconds later we would have had pretty much two dead victims. Being a part of it, this is wholeheartedly a team effort. I did the caring. My partner did the finding. My lieutenant did the search. By the time I couldn't even get in the door, I'm already carrying the one kid down. And then by the time I get down the stairs, there's a girl that they found and we were carrying her down the stairs. Boy, I mean... Uh, it's not like you really have time to think and you go do what you do and then not till afterwards it sinks in. This one was different. My body was tingling for almost a month after. I still get emotional talking about it, but that was uh, my biggest accomplishment in my life, I'd say. Just getting the guy out of there? Yeah. Just being a part of it. To try to understand Zibby better, I turned to Kevin Byrne, the Ravens' executive vice president of public and community relations. You'll understand why. I had an idea to talk to you because I felt like you've you've got a Midwestern background, and here comes a guy that just could not be more Midwestern, <laughs> and I felt like somewhere you could relate to him or had your eye on him or something when he got here. Yeah, he, he I'm from Cleveland, he's from Chicago. I think similar cities in in terms of uh of how important football is, how important athletics is to a family, to a community, to a high school, to a neighborhood. And Zibby had all of that. And then Zibby is like canonized in Chicago because if if you are a Notre Dame football player and you're from Chicago, then you own the city. And and Zibby did it being a guy who, I, I don't know what he is, 5'10 at most, just a little tough guy. And uh, I know that he was absolutely beloved in the city of Chicago as a high school player and then going to Notre Dame and becoming a star at Notre Dame and kind of a cult figure too. A cult figure because I don't know anyone that 
certainly at Notre Dame, and he brought it here, played like he did. Great zeal. <laughs> <laughs> intense. And- he, intense, and it's a tough guy game, and he was a tough guy. I have found through the years that football players admire, among other athletes, two sets of athletes, boxers or slash MMA fighters now, and basketball players. Because uh, look at the boxing and saying, boy, we're tough running around, but we have all this equipment on. But those boxers, they're out there getting smashed without equipment on. And then basketball players, I think football players look and say, we can't do everything they can do, and they admire that. So, so Zibby comes in here. He's not only a, a, a tough football player that they can see right away, he also has the legend of his boxing. He's a professional at that point. <laughs> he is a professional. He <laughs> literally had a professional fight, maybe a number of them, at Notre Dame. He was a light heavyweight, and he was good at it. And then they, at Notre Dame, they had these famous Bengal bouts. Annually, Notre Dame has an intramural boxing championship, and they've been doing it for years. And Zibby gets in there <laughs> as a, you know, one of the star Notre Dame football players. I'm sure the coaches were real unhappy about this. And he gets in there, and he smacks somebody around, and all, all of a sudden, you know, two months later, he, his father found somebody, he gets a manager, and he's fighting a real fight you know, in front of fans who paid to see him, and he's a professional, and the NCAA had to approve the fight. and So this was one feisty, tough little dude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Ravens have never had a, a, a professional boxer. <laughs> no, no. As a, as a third-round draft pick. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly we have not. You know, and he would talk about it, too, like – well, what are you going to do this offseason? Well, I don't know. I'll have to see my boxing schedule. And, you know, the coach says, we prefer to have you around here to do our program so you become a better safety and where we think you can make a lot of money down the line. And, you know, yeah, yeah, I'll see what my boxing's doing first. And so he would train for as a boxer in the offseason sometimes. And, uh, and sometimes he'd come here and train as a football player. But it was clearly different. Would you talk boxing with him? Yes. I'm a big boxing fan. My great uncle was a ranked world fighter, fought for the flyweight championship of the world, Mickey O'Byrne. And uh, so I knew a little bit about boxing when when, when we were kids. Our grandfather, Mickey's brother, uh, taught us how to fight. Uh, you know, golden glove style in the basement, <laughs> which which we were idiots, you know, <laughs> oversized gloves and, uh, you know, in, in our skinny little arms. And uh, But I knew about the sport a little bit. I followed it closely when Zibby was here, and, and we would talk about it. But his teammates loved to talk to him about it. And, uh, you know, and Zibby, you know, for all his notoriety, was kind of a quiet person. I wouldn't say he was one of the... Uh, the, the shining stars in the locker room in terms of outgoing personalities. He had a good personality, but he, was, he kept to himself. Uh, but when you got him talking about boxing, boy, he, he would light up. It's true what Kevin said, that Zibikowski became a professional boxer as an underclassman at Notre Dame and put boxing on hold for a couple of years after the Ravens drafted him. But he couldn't stay away. He started boxing again in 2010 after his third season in Baltimore. And he linked up with Emmanuel Stewart, a legendary trainer. Something big could have developed. But Stewart died, and Zimikowski didn't really get serious about boxing again until his years as a fireman. Then he put it on hold again. But now he's back in training. Really just kind of looking to close the chapter of my life of the fighting chapter, but it's just something that I've had in my blood and that I've been doing for so long. I feel that there's just some... Um, especially my athletic ability and my talents that are left. I don't want to leave them 
on the table in nine years. So these last couple months training exclusively and really in the best shape of my life right now. This is where I'm headed for. This is what I've been working for. I've been slowly back and, and talking and trying to get like sparring videos and all that stuff to be able to send to the old promotional company to hopefully let them feel comfortable enough to pull the trigger with me. You feel pretty optimistic about, uh, you know, getting a, getting a shot at it? Yeah, I do. I do. I fight a different style. I'm like nothing people have seen before. <laughs> How is that? Just the speed and the power and the fluidity that I can move. I learned to fight as a welterweight. You know what I mean? As a youngster, that's how I always trained and I grew and learned the from strength and conditioning and actually being able to play in the NFL with that type of strength and explosiveness with your leg, the movements and the hand fighting and such like that. There's no other boxer that went through four years of the NFL or four years of college, let alone NFL. In the past few seasons, the Ravens have brought back some former players for a seven-on-seven touch football game at halftime, one of the Ravens' home games at M&T Bank Stadium. It's a lighthearted affair. Score is barely kept. The fans get a kick out of seeing guys they used to cheer for running around again. The former players, they don't take it very seriously. Zibikowski came back for the touch game in 2018, and you could never imagine how much it meant to him. Getting back last year was really, 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 really satisfying. And really, just I remembered how much I loved being in Baltimore and playing for the Ravens and the teammates and such. It's just such a great place. It's such a great organization. It sealed kind of the hate that I thought I had for football. Coming back, you mean last year? Yeah, it did, yeah. You thought that somewhere in the back of your mind, you hated what it had done to you or something along those lines? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I just I hated being misunderstood. I don't feel like I was ever really understood. And I don't feel like I really put my best, you know, foot forward when I got here. Playing five seasons in the NFL is actually quite an athletic accomplishment. But looking back, he thinks he knows he could have played longer. When I was in the fire department, the fall time was really brutal. Mm-hmm. Just missing the game, still being physically fit, still, you know I mean, moving probably into what would have been the prime of my career, uh, sitting in a firehouse during game days was really, really, really brutal. I mean, there'd be days where I'd, once I'd get home from shift, I would just be crying in my garage. I had my garage set up as my own boxing gym, so I was training myself in the, in the garage and just trying to get back the old moves and get back the old muscles. All these guys that I've talked to, bowler and you know i've always talked to them oh did you ever think about life after football because that's really what this podcast is about did you plan for it or contemplate it or anything uh you didn't think it would be over so soon no i definitely didn't think it'd be over so soon but i guess i had in line that whole fire department thing um but i wouldn't say that was more coming from good parents and having a good brother take me along with it so but really i never planned for football so, I mean, I didn't ever think I'd be playing professionally or anything like that. So, I, I mean, I've really always kind of adapted and gone with the flow. Well, it's good to hear that you're uh, in a better place with it now and that coming back can be so meaningful. That's something. Yeah. I mean, just a little seven-on-seven game, but it, it, it is remindful of a lot of things, right? Yeah, it is. For even the way it turned out, how many people get to play one professional football game, let alone five seasons. 
I want to thank Tom for being so open and frank. I'll be rooting for him to make that boxing comeback. You can find out more about him and his football career and his boxing career at BaltimoreRavens.com slash what happened to that guy. This episode brings season one to a close. And yes, by calling it season one, I'm saying there'll be a season two. I've compiled a long list of former Ravens whose stories deserve attention. I'll be cutting that list down in the coming months, selecting who gets the nod, and then I'll get started on putting the episodes together. Right now, the plan is to roll out season two of What Happened to That Guy basically the same time next year, during the 2020 NFL regular season. I've had a ball with season one. I've been writing for a living for a long time, and it's a solitary craft. It's just me and the laptop, cranking out articles and columns and whatever. A podcast is a different creature. It's a collaboration. I needed a ton of help to get this done. And I thoroughly enjoyed that part of it, being part of a creative team. Matt Little, the expert on former players in the Ravens marketing department, was indispensable in suggesting interesting subjects and then helping me get in touch with them. Ryan Mink, my digital media colleague, and Michelle Andre, senior vice president of Ravens Media, provided invaluable editorial assistance and constant feedback. We picked out the music together. Matt Brevett of Ravens Media basically saw to it that I didn't screw up when I interviewed people and recorded my speaking parts. I want to give special thanks to Britt Bischoff, who was the engineer slash producer slash editor for the whole season, every episode. She took what I said, what my interview subject said, everything, turned it into a polished listenable product. The sound level's just right. The music just right. I don't have that skill. If someone said to me, I'll give you a million dollars to turn these recordings into a podcast episode, I couldn't do it. Britt did a terrific job. Lastly, I've heard from a lot of listeners, which I appreciate, and I want to encourage you to get in touch too. If you've got an opinion or a suggestion about anything, don't hesitate to send me an email at john.eisenberg at ravens.nfl.net. I hope you enjoyed season one. Till next time, this is John Eisenberg. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.